Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Kine Corder about searching for meaning over money, what every CEO needs to know to build a dream team. Kine Corder, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, what I'm super a great excited group to talk to. <laughs> I am super <laughs> excited to have you with me today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Today, we're going to be focusing on meaning and the search for meaning over money. Now, it's not a, a dichotomy. It's not like we can either make money or have meaning. It cer- certainly can be both. But a lot of times, we tend to focus more on just the money, right? Or the yep. bottom line of the business, which yep. is important. But again, it doesn't need to be either or like we can we can search for meaning. And there's so much research out there to show that when people feel fulfilled in their work, when they have meaning and purpose in what they do, that it'll actually make them more efficient, more productive, more innovative, which means you're probably going to make more money. So it's it's really a win win. So so we're going to explore that idea of searching for meaning over money and really some ideas around what every CEO and executive needs to know about building their dream team around meaning mm. and purpose. As yeah. we get started, I wanted to share Kine's bio with everybody. Kine Corder is a national certified counselor and the world's number one financial hypnotherapist. You may remember her from Oprah or ABC's Extreme Makeover show. Since then, she became a best-selling author and an international speaker, taking the stage with well-known speakers like Les Brown and Damon John. She's also CEO of Presidential Lifestyle, a tech-enabled business and self-development company. Presidential Lifestyle develops performance programs for CEOs who want to lead a higher producing, more productive team. Her mission in life is to alleviate human suffering associated with money in order to promote widespread prosperity. Kine will share with you today the keys to building a team that needs very little management, that's empowered, and that can really just run with the freedom they may have to be successful. So it's a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch further into the conversation? Um, The only thing I I typically share that especially my my men love to hear is that I started out as a financial advisor. So before I was a therapist, (laughs) I was a financial advisor. So I was a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley for many years. And what I found was that my clients needed help with more than just numbers and stock picks and, you know, portfolios. There was something underneath the money, which was usually a program that was running that wouldn't stop running whether it came from society or their parents, their grandparents, some of their own mistakes, that catapulted me or shifted me into wanting to do something to change that uncomfortable feeling that they thought all I have to do is get money and everything else will fix itself. Like it'll be okay. 
And then I found, well, that might not be true. So I made the shift to therapy. And that's when I learned to help them not just put the numbers together, because that's part of it, but it's a really small part of it, actually. The bigger part is, you know, overcoming the anxiety, the expectations, all the things that make you to slow down your production, all of the blocks that that's what we call them at presidential lifestyle, all of the blocks that come up that keep you from really enjoying the money. So that shift helped me to, to take, show them how to turn their money into meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And like you said, money in and of itself doesn't really do much for people in terms of life satisfaction, happiness, meaning, and purpose. Does it, you know, the old phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, and just perpetual spending, perpetual consumption um, just doesn't lead to, to uh, fulfillment and meaning. And so is money in and of itself bad? No. And, and is it a bad thing to pursue comfort and to pursue security? No. Uh, but that in and of itself isn't going to do it for you. So, so being able to better understand your drivers, your motivations, what matters to you most, uh, and how you derive meaning in the world uh, will then allow you to not only make bigger, better contributions to the world, but it'll allow you to better utilize the resources that you do have, whether it's meager or whether it's substantial, right? Whether mm-hmm. you're the, the, the crazy rich people in the world, or you're, you know, someone scraping by just trying to pay the mortgage and put food on the table. Either way, um, if, if we're living and dying by money, uh, we're not going to find true happiness. And so I think that's super important. And as we talk, you know, certainly in terms of it, at an individual level, it's important to recognize this and to, to remember um, that. But from an organizational level, it's also equally important as we think about, you know, how we lead our teams, how we lead and run our organizations. Obviously, we, you know, if, if I'm in a for-profit company, I need to make a profit. I need to... Yeah. I need to increase revenues. I need to do those things. That's absolutely essential. Otherwise the organization ceases to exist, but chasing revenue at all costs can often lead to unhealthy organizational climates. Uh, uh, it can lead to undermining customers and, uh, and your people in the organization. And so in the long run, it can actually really hurt you. Uh, if yes. you can then fo- if you can focus more on that meaning and purpose for your team, then you can unlock all sorts of potential to drive Absolutely. all sorts of new new opportunities. So let's take it back up just a little bit. So one of the things that we often say is that money is the cause of stress, whether you have it or not, right? So you talked a little bit about you know, maybe the, the poor or the people who don't have enough, but then there's also the person that's stressed that has plenty of money. And that is because we are taught, especially the high achievers, the overachievers are taught that if I just go out and get enough money, then my problems will be solved. And then on the other side of that, we're told more money, more problems. So the poor are like, well, why would I go get more money? Because money is the root of all evil and more money, more problems. I don't want more problems. I don't want to be evil. So unknowingly, subconsciously, they stay broke. And then the the rich person may have some guilt or some shame around their wealth because of some of these statements, or they may have blocked out those statements and they heard other statements like the ones I said earlier that money will solve all the problems. Then they have have statements like if you work hard, right, work hard and you'll get it, work hard, work hard. But how many hard working broke people 
do you know? And so often we're pushing that that same mentality down to our teams. Like we're, if we work harder, if we work harder, we'll have more revenue, work harder. But it really isn't about the hard work. It's what you are leading to is the meaning. If you can find meaning in the work that you're doing, it doesn't seem like as much hard work as much as it's fulfillment. Yeah. And when I think about, you know, the burdens that we all have to bear in life and, and different people have different uh, challenges and or, and or different privileges, right? I'm a straight, cisgender, white dude. Um, and so I have a whole pile of privilege. Um, that's not to say that I don't have difficulties, but I have a different set of difficulties than uh, mm-hmm. maybe other people. And so I, I need to recognize that. I need to acknowledge that. Uh, and we all do the same, right? We all acknowledge that. Um, yeah. And then we, and then we start to try to move forward in a productive way um, to, to make something out of, you know, the work that we do. And if, you know, if, if I'm in an organization and we, we are struggling, you know, uh, maybe, maybe the market is the external environment is, is, is really uh, tight right now. We're struggling. Um, we're, we're dealing with, you know, the, those t- sorts of revenue challenges. Of course, we're going to have to focus on that. Um, but if, if I, if I derive intrinsic meaning and purpose from the work that I do every day, um, that's, that's, it's not taking away the burden of work that I have to accomplish, but mm-hmm. it, it lightens the burden. Um, yeah. Or at least it lightens my perception of the burden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't remove it, but it, it lightens the perception of how we interact with that burden. And so then we're able to, to deal with it and cope with it and if, if that means over the course of several weeks or several months that we need to put in longer hours, that we need to, you know, really buckle down and, and put in extra effort, is it going to be hard? Is it going to be tiring? Yes. But <laughs> is it going to be doable and manageable? Yeah. If we derive the meaning and purpose, but if we don't have that meaning and purpose embedded in what we're doing, then how are we going to perceive that? We're going to perceive yeah. it as exploitation. We're going to see, you know, our, our organization or our boss just trying to squeeze every last ounce of productivity from us. We're going to be resentful uh, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And, and, and your leaders and your organization isn't going to maximize your potential and you're not going to produce for them. So it, right. it, it, it's, it, I, it's tremendously essential that we help to foster this sense of, of meaning and purpose. Yeah. So there are two things that I want to touch on. And one is especially around, I find this mostly around sales training, but training overall. And the bigger the company, the more cookie cutter it becomes. So we train people to act in a box, right? This worked for me. It should work for you too, right? I'm going to teach you the sales tactics or strategies that work for me and they should work for you too. But like you said, you are a straight white male. And the way you walk into a room is completely different than the way I walk into a room. So for those of you who don't see me, I'm a black female. So I'm walking into a room, the same room, but different perceptions, different challenges, you know, and depending on the room we walk in, straight white male, black female, we are perceived differently. So the way that I'm going to sell this same product to these same people is going to be different than the way you sell it because of the way that they perceive you, what their expectations are of you, the trust that they may or may not already come there, right? You may not have a trust barrier to get over. There may already be, but it depends on the room, right? 
there may be, oh, white male walks in. I don't trust him. You do now have to build the trust first. So it really depends on who you are. And that's why a big part of our program is around self-actualization, really understanding yourself. And if you don't understand yourself, then it makes it really difficult for you to understand the person that you're working with, whether it's the sales the client that you're selling to, or your coworker, your CEO. And the second part I want to point, I want to make in that area of what you were talking about is we, we talk about culture and companies as if culture trickles up, right? So the people, the support team should know exactly what they're supposed to do and it should just go so very well. But if the CEO has a stressed a very traumatic background with money, then they're going to trickle that down. Culture trickles down, not up. And a lot of times we see the CEO and I'm doing my hands up and down, but a lot of times we see the CEO as the top or the executives at the top, but really they're in the center because everything revolves around them and the energy that they put out or the, the the perceptions and all the rules and guidelines that they put out will go to the team. But if in the center, if that's not solid, then none of that that they're putting out is going to be articulated, first of all. And even if it is, it's not going to be performed. Nobody is going to perform like you suggest they perform. They're going to perform based off of what you're putting out there. So if you're coming to work stressed, then so is the rest of the team going to be stressed. If you don't trust them, they're not going to trust you. And that trickles down. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, and I am an advocate for, you know, everyone trying to be a leader regardless of where you are in the hierarchy. Yeah. And everyone to try to be the change and I'm a believer in at least attempting to to go about grassroots change within organizations. But overall, I completely agree with you that by and large, what we're going to experience in terms of culture uh, within the organization, it's a top-down thing. Um, and it's mm-hmm. perpetuated through policies, practices, and procedures that are all centralized and top-down. And so we need to, to find ways to disrupt that. If I'm not in an upper management executive leadership role, then at least I have... Um, 
you know, stewardship and, and my sphere of influence exists within my smaller group, maybe my team, my own team, and I can create the type of culture or environment that I want. And perhaps maybe I can then influence others in the organization uh, to, to try to drive the type of change I want to see. Um, but ultimately, we, we need to try to have great executives and great leaders who catch the vision, who share the values, and who are committed to a healthy organizational climate and culture so that we can have that kind of um, that kind of meaning and purpose within the work that we do. Um, that actually brings me into the next question. Um, you know, what can those executives, those senior level leaders who may have that title and that position in the hierarchy, um, what can they do? What do they need to do in order to build a dynamic dream team uh, of lower level uh, managers and leaders who can then lead dynamic teams on their own? Yes. So you were talking about it just a second ago when you you talked about the vision. So a lot of times companies will create a mission and a vision that's just words. It doesn't trickle down anywhere into the company. Nobody else knows it, or maybe they put it up on a poster, but it really doesn't doesn't translate into the work that they're doing. So the, the real, as cliche as it is, the real first step is to really examine that mission. And create a mission that your team can get behind. So once you create the mission and then you have the vision of how you're going to get there, then you have to be able to articulate that to your team in a way that allows them to see how they fit into the vision. Because if they don't, then they're just doing tasks and they'll go to the next company before you know, if, they, if they're not fulfilled with those tasks, and then they'll go to the next company. But if you create a vision that you can articulate to them, and you don't have to be Martin Luther King, right, and talk about your dream, <laughs> but, but you do have to have a vision that they can get behind and, and allow them in your job descriptions, that vision needs to be out there and allow them to then apply because they are in line with the vision you already established. And so if you establish the vision and you stick to the vision, a, a lot of the mission-driven companies out there, the way that they, they stick and the way that they have really loyal employees is people can get behind their vision. So, And your vision doesn't necessarily mean you're curing world hunger or cancer or anything like that. It just has to be something that you truly believe in and that you can work towards on a daily basis. Whether you reach that ultimate mission ever doesn't matter. But as long as every single day, the things that you are doing, you can put a mirror up against your daily activity and it reflects back your vision. So that's the first step. And from there, I talked about it earlier, and that is know yourself. So from everybody from the CEO all the way down to the, the support team, everybody has to be clear on who they are and what they bring to that vision. And if they're not clear on that, and the way they know this is one question that we ask a lot of our CEO first and then the team members is, how do you want to show up in the world? Now, that's kind of a woo-woo statement, but another way you can explain that is to say, when you leave the room a room full of people you admire and love, how do you want them to describe you? And when you get back the way that you actually are, right? You could say, I'll take myself, for example, I want people to say, oh, she's generous, right? Generous with time, her energy, her money, her expertise. She's very generous. I want them to say she's tenacious. Oh, that girl goes after what she wants, right? I want them to say she's fun. Oh, I love working with Kanae. It is so much fun working with her. 
We always have such a great time and we get so much done. Those are some of the words I want people to use to describe me. If I reflect and I'm not showing up in the world that way, people are like, oh, she barely had time to talk to me. Oh, we asked her to do this and she would even give us her experience or the expertise. If that's how I'm showing up, then what I want to look at is why is that? What is blocking me from showing up the authentic way I want to show up? What's blocking me? And once you can get clear, which is the work that we do, helping you get clear on what's blocking you, then you can clear those blocks so that you really do show up in the world the way you want to show up. So those are the first two steps. And there are three more that we we work with CEOs and their teams on. But those first two are the most important. If you don't have the vision and you can't articulate it to the team in a way that makes them see themselves in it, then not much is going to happen. And then if you can't yourself get really clear on who you are and how you want to show up, then you can't expect your team to get clear on who they are and how they want to show up. But those first two are major. So how do we go about, you know, if I'm in a leadership position and I, I, I have this, this sense of our value and purpose, I want to communicate that effectively down the line. Um, to people, you know, to all my direct reports, and then, you know, all the filter it down all throughout the organization. What we're talking about there is change management. We're talking about shifting culture. We're talking about, Mm -hmm. in some cases, realigning policies, practices, and procedures to to fit with that environment and the culture that we want to see. So we start with what you just mentioned, but Mm -hmm. how, how do we then take it to the next level in terms of actually driving that change? Yes. Great question. So the first two, that's know your vision, know yourself. And the number three is in what we call know your laws and your laws are your core values. Really look at the company that you are right now, not the pie in the sky, what you wish you were, but the company you are right now. What are our core values? What are customers saying about us internally and externally? You know, what, what are we showing And what are our core values then allow you to see if the core values that you have are the ones that you really want to show in the world. So for example, I said, as a person, I want people to say I'm generous, but that is also something we say at Presidential Lifestyle. That's one of our core values. We want our clients to know that we are generous and that we have plenty of time for them. We're generous with our time. We're generous with our expertise. They all feel like they're the only person we work with. And that's just a part of our core values. Nobody that you you meet that has worked with us is going to say, well, I barely had time to get in. I could barely get an appointment or it always seems like it's just easy flow. No, no worries. And that's the second part of our core values. It's no worries. It's, it's going to get done. Nobody stress out. Nobody's working hard. Nobody is frustrated. It is ease. How do we, oh, we, we lost the ease. How do we get back to the ease? We're always getting back to the ease. So you have to really, as the CEO or as the executive, you have to look at, and even if you're just looking at your team, maybe yet this hasn't affected the whole company. You're listening. You're not the CEO, but you you do have a team and you have a significant role in the company. You want to look at what are your core values with your team. And then later, when you accomplish that, then you may be able to expand that to other areas of the company if you are not the CEO and you're listening. But those core values are what it's going to be a driving factor to really get to your vision. Your core values and your vision have to match. And the core value is really how you want to show yourself to your client. And like I said, either internally 
or externally, the client has to know what they can expect from you. And that needs to be consistent in every area. But if you're starting with one group or one department, then that needs to be consistent. Every time I work with that department, I need to be able to say the accounting department always gets it done. They are always on time or whatever it is that you want them to say about you. This has just been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I think we could go on and on and on. But the bottom line here is that we need to focus on uh, values. We need to focus on um, the vision that we have. We need to communicate that down the line to our people. And it starts with the executive leadership team. And then we need to create and generate buy-in at all levels down the line to continue to communicate and push forward that kind of those values, the vision, and and to create the kind of culture that we want. That will then allow us to do things like um, do better recruiting and hire Mm -hmm. people that fit with the, the, the vision and the mission uh, in the values of the organization. That's going to allow people to work with more meaning and purpose. And like we've ta- been talking about all along, that's going to then allow us to just have more dynamic, productive, effective, innovative teams that will help the organization to thrive. So if we want to build a, a dream team, start with your values, tr- start with your vision, communicate that down and, and amazing things can really happen. Yes, um, but but before doing right. that, this is very important. So you're getting the idea of where you want to go, right? Where you want to be. And that's where the focus should stay, is where you want to be. But you have to get really clear on where you are now. What's been blocking you since since you started this company or since you started working this part of in the company, you had this idea from the beginning of where you wanted to go, but somehow you're not getting there. There's a block. There's something blocking you. This is the know your pause. What is putting a pause in you breaking through where you want to be as a company or an organization or a department? There's a pause there. What is that pause? Oh, is it communication? Really pinpoint what is blocking you. Maybe it's the communication of the team. Maybe it's they're not following the procedures, right? Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a lot of fear. Everybody's afraid of you and the fear doesn't allow them to be themselves and you to get the best out of them because they're trying to be a little you, little mini, you're just creating little mini me's. Mini me's don't produce. If they can't be themselves, then they can't give you who, the reason why you hired them. So what is the pause? You got to get really clear on that. And a lot of this takes some self-mastery. You being honest with yourself, being willing to be open, But that's not easy, right? We didn't come to this world knowing how to master ourselves. And then we learned a bunch of stuff in school, but none of it was self-mastery. So so how do we get it, right? And so we listen to podcasts like this one and we say, okay, where, where am I getting in the way of my team being their best? Okay, am I not articulating to them what I need from them? And if I am communicating that well, then what is it about them? Where, how can I build and develop my team personally? Because let me tell you, there are people say there should be like work-life balance or don't bring your you know, work home or don't bring your home to work. That's happening. Regardless of what you believe, you have one life and it includes your work and what you do at home. And people are bringing home to work. And people are bringing work home. So you might want to clean that up as much as you can. And when you first deal with yourself, you being at the center of that department or that organization, 
then you will then send that out to your team that it is okay to get to know what is blocking you and improve yourself so that you then can improve your work. Because if you're going to be at the top of your game, it means you're at the top of yourself. Yeah, very well said. It has just been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, We could go on and on and on, but I note the time and I need to let you go here in a moment. Before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work and your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. So you can reach me on LinkedIn. I am there, Kenne Quarter, on LinkedIn. My website, presidentiallifestyle.com. And I do hang out a little bit on Instagram, the fun side of me. So we're always talking about your wealth, your health, your adventure, your love, and your legacy. Those are the five areas of prosperity. And when you think about it for yourself, where this is my last words that I want you to take away. If you don't take away anything from this, I want you to ask yourself, what is my idea of prosperity? And when you answer that question, it's probably going to include some wealth, some health, some adventures, some love, and some legacy. I want you to then think about where am I doing the best? Like which one of those am I like knocking it out the park? And I want you to congratulate yourself for that. And then I want you to take a look at the one that's the most deficient. Which one are you neglecting? Maybe it's your family life, your love, right? Your relationships. Maybe it's the legacy you want to leave. And that's where I find a lot of meaning comes from us looking at those other areas. Yes, the wealth is important, but if we look at our health, we look at the adventure we are having in life, the love we have in our relationships, the legacy that we're building for our, for our futures and our family's futures, that's where the real meaning is. So that's what I want to leave you with. I love it. Thank you so much. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Kine and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, 
and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.